This is part two of a three-part series on the Romero Dead trilogy. I recommend going to the first part before this. But hey, then again, I'm a pre-recorded message. I can't really stop you. You do you. Greetings from the Seventh Circle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Which, incidentally, is also a pretty thematic title in what happens. Uh... I think someone said it's kind of like the night of the dead. Night of the living dead is just miserable. It's the night. Dawn is where you get some hope. And then day is where there's an actual progression <laughs> in what they do, um, which, yeah, narratively works. Dawn is where society is crumbling. Day is where it has crumbled. It's like day is really the aftermath of the apocalypse. And dawn is the apocalypse itself. Is it fair to say Dawn is probably the favourite um, collectively, kind of outside of us? Yes, I think so. It's, I mean, it's the one that's the most uh, referenced and the one that has, I mean, the mall setting as, as, you know, it's just the most iconic setting for a zombie film that there's ever been. Oh, yeah. Certainly the most referenced and uh, referred. Easily. Uh, I've quickly gone into the cast and crew stuff. Uh, directed and wrote by George A. Romero. Same stuff as last time. Fair. Quick recaps. It's been a few hours. Martin, Creepshow, Amusement Park, which I recommend wholeheartedly. That's in it. Crazies, Monkey Shrine. All great stuff. Um, Monkey Shrine's a bit weird. Go into that with, as I said, prior knowledge, which uh, Stephanie pushed over. <laughs> Cast-wise, completely different. It changes every single film. Uh, we, I'm going through the main four and then I'll go through one other who's more important really in the makeup department but he is an actor as well uh, starting with David Emge Emi Emge, I'm going with Emge fuck I swear to god, every fucking film it never fails that there's one I can't pronounce, doesn't matter how foreign it is it can be from fucking England it can be from Birmingham I still won't be able to pronounce it he's only from David He's Emge. from Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> He's from a fucking flyby state. This should be easy. Playing Steven slash flyboy. Nickname. Okay. So for context, there's about five people that I had to Google what happened to XYZ. Yeah. He's one of them. Because some of these people did fuck all. Yes. After this. And I had to try to work out... Eat. Uh, so he did Hellmaster and Basket Case 2. Yeah, he only had two. And they were like, Basket Case 2 was his first film role after Dawn of the Dead. And that was 12 years after. Yeah, I found nothing about this guy. Yeah. Fuck all. Um, it was annoying. I, gen- like Alice, have you seen that? The Czechoslovakian public film? I haven't film? actually watched it all the way through, but I know about it and I, I know a lot about it. But I mean, Ty knows how irritating it was to find out shit about the main lead in that. <laughs> um, the Czechoslovakian oh. girl. From what I could gather, and I'm pretty fucking certain on this now because I've had confirmation from the uh, European School of Puppetry, she did theatre work after that. I found out less about David fucking M. She was in one of the best-selling zombie films of all time. It's ridiculous, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that the, the cast in all three films... They're never any like big names. 
obviously for Knight, that's because in one of them died, unfortunately. Well, yeah, but also because like it's indie film, they didn't have anyone. You know, they couldn't cast like someone big. But you know, even if um, it's not until Land of the Dead where you get a a known actor playing any character, where it's. I suppose I'm trying to think. Um, in Night of the Living Dead remake, you had Tony Todd. If you go for the remake, oh yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, even then, that's in horror circles. Yeah, I mean, Tony Todd has a, an amazing career and he's an amazing person, but yeah, it's it's God bless you, mate. You aren't known. It's not like... quite, uh, you know, like um, Dennis Hopper in uh, Land. No, yeah. Oh, John Lake was yeah, on exactly. that. Stands. I, if you're in fucking Wishmaster as a cameo, you're you're specific to horror. <laughs> That's just how it fucking is. To be fair, I completely displacing that. Really, the one who got the most success in horror. To be fair, actually, Ken Fury, who plays Peter, uh, my favorite actor by a country fucking mile in Dawn of the Dead. Probably my second, just after um, Captain Rhodes. In the third, I think he does a really good mm. job. He was in From Beyond, uh, The Midnight Man, Zone of the Dead, and a shitload of Rob Zombie films, where he plays a pimp. Um, he was in Devil's Rejects. Uh, oh, fuck me. And I've completely forgot it. The the witch one. Lords of Salem. There we go. Oh, right. Uh, he was briefly in the House of Fast and Corpses. 31. Uh, I've seen all the Rob Zombie stuff. I'm not proud of that fact. Hey. But I have done it. It's it's what it is what it is. <laughs> Rob Zombie films uh, they're unapologetically hillbills for people who are too smart for Michael Bay. <laughs> That's <laughs> Devil's Rejects is fun. Um, it's just a, yeah, yeah, a presence. Yes, absolutely. It's like the best thing about House of a Thousand Corpses is like, all right, we'll just make another film, but. Have it essentially be, the... yeah. I mean, and Bill Mosley, obviously, yeah, yeah. Fucking presence in anything he's in. Um, incidentally, uh, people who know uh, Stefan, Steph, and past uh, the only black and white film beyond shit for this I've managed to get him through was uh, Baby Spider, which is Sid Haig's first role, and it's yeah, Baby Spider, absolutely excellent. Uh, yeah, uh, Ken Fury done all that. Uh, Galen Ross, Francine. Who has done fuck all, uh, Madman, Creepshow, Killing, Casner, uh, which looks to be a Nazi thing. Uh, she was the director for that, and it looks like she mostly fallen into kind of the backdrop. But I couldn't find anything Hollywood-wise that she'd actually worked on. And then finishing off with our main four, Scott Regner, who plays Roger, who also in fuck all, Night Riders is the big one, but outside the Dawn of the Dead. He teached at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in Hollywood. And so he doesn't act anymore. I also like his performance in this film. They're the best two. Yeah. Which isn't saying anything against David Emge or Galen Ross. They're more understated. They're more... It's more about their kind of... I don't know. They've got more sullen expressions, whereas the other two get a bit more of a range. I think you get you get to see the transition for them too. Um, problem with Galen Ross or Francine and Stephen is they go through a characterization from incompetent to competent. Mm. That's their 
push, whereas uh, Roger and Peter have arcs that unique arcs. Yes, you see Roger kind of go from a slightly level-headed he's in the game to what is basically the I don't want to say the racist at the start. He the the, the, the guy saying boisterous insane person at the start. The cop. Yeah, the, the one saying goddamn Puerto Rican and N-word asses. That's what he becomes. Um, the guy he killed at the start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is very poetic. Yes. In a sense. And Peter transitions, as I said before, from uh, level-headed to depressed as shit. Rightly so. He goes through miserable fucking stuff. Yeah. Uh, special mention quickly to Tom Savini and... Uh, Greg Nicoretto. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Savini. I've, I've put needs no introduction because he doesn't. He's done so much stuff for horror. Uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, Creepshow stuff. All the, the Romero trilogy. Um, the fucking uh, he's... Tarantino. Robert Rodriguez vampire film that I can't remember the name of. He's not... Dust Till Dawn. He's not... There we he's go. not involved in Night. Uh... Uh, oh, not Night yet. He was too young, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't in the movie industry at all, I believe, in the in the uh, in sixty seven. Yeah, so it, it's not because of that, not for lack of talent. No, because he is, and this is no exaggeration, the best makeup artist that has ever graced cinema. I'm happy to say that. Well, he he does that. the make zombie makeup for Dawn and Day, so uh, that alone, I mean, C- cements you as a legend. Absolutely. Um, and he plays Sex Machine. <laughs> yes, he does. That is a fantastic. I mean, <laughs> all line. All you need to know about that character is that they have. And you already know what I'm going to say. All you need to know about that character is he that he has a gun, gun in his... on his yeah. crotch, and it has two chambers in the. So it and and then you have the the shaft like barrel of the gun. So it looks like a cock and bollocks. It's, I love it, Robert Rodriguez. I fucking love Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> Although that film is written by Quentin Tarantino, so you have to wonder, does it say in the script, in Tarantino's script, that he's got a gun co- it cock? Or is that just Rodriguez? Sorry, yeah, who was writing it? Tarantino? So yeah. yes. So it's, it's, yes, it does. It's, either, it's one of them. And what I love about those two is that it's, it's equally... <laughs> equal odds that it could be either one of them. We... There's no way of knowing for sure unless you know for sure. Oh, and also special mention, I was watching the European version myself, which cuts to about two hours and six minutes, I think. Right. Um, roughly. Um, you, if you were at two hours 30, you're watching the Cannes version. I don't think I was two hours 30. I think I was more like two hours 15, something like that. Then it's the American version, which is cut by George Romero. That makes sense. I think that is what I was watching. Because I'm watching... Hang on. Let me just look at the DVD box I've got. It's an English uh, thing, because it has obviously the... Yeah, if it, 2 hours 15, it's the Romero version. Um, very explicit. 2 hours, like, six, 6 minutes is the Dario Argento version. Hmm. Yes, which was the uh, European release. And uh, which was called... Uh, and then in uh, some markets was called Zombie, and then there were unofficial sequels to that 
film called Zombie, but they were released. That's, that's not the one where the zombie attacks a shark, right? On the I island, have, surely. I have no idea. Yeah. I've not I, seen any of the sequels. Write me in and tell me if that's not... the one where the zombie attacks a shark on a tropical island. Because that have... was shit. <laughs> I have not seen any of them. What? But... Oh, wait a minute. I was looking at the zombie wiki page for a laugh. Uh, and it. <laughs> I'm trying to miss now. It yeah, here we go. Zombie film series. Here we go. So there's the Italian series, which is Zombie, which, uh, which is Dawn of the Dead. It's just another name for the Dawn of the Dead. And then there's Zombie Two and Zombie Three, and they are, I believe, actual films that were made and they were uh, given those names. But then there's uh, <laughs> Zombie Two in Britain. Was called Zombie Flesh Eaters. Zombie, th- Zombie Three was called Zombie Flesh Eaters Two. Oh God! Then there was another film called Zombie Flesh Eaters Three, which was a completely unrelated film called <laughs> uh, Alta La Morte, or AKA After Death. So a completely different film was made into Zombie Flesh Eaters Three, and then there's the German series. Which is Zombie, which was Dawn of the Dead. And then Z- Zombie 2, which is Day of the Dead. And then there's Zombie 3, which is the Italian Zombie 3. Fuck's And then there's the Thai, Thai in Thailand. They had Zombie Flesh Eaters, Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, like in Britain. And Zombie Flesh Eaters 3, like in Britain again, which is After Death. And then they had Zombie Flesh Eaters 4. Which is a completely unrelated film again called Jelly uh, Assassini, which is also known as Killing Birds, which makes me laugh even more because that film was released in, originally in 1988 and Alta Morte was originally released in 1989. So Zombie Flesh Eaters 4 came out before Zombie Flesh Eaters 3, except in Thailand, presumably. Then there's the Australian series which goes on it has zombie one two three then it has uh like um uh, the british did then it also had zombie four bacterion which was another film that was originally called panic uh then zombie five vengeance which was originally uh, a film called vengeance of the zombies or la rebellion das de las muertes and then there's zombie six the mirage which was origi- which was another film which was originally called Dawn of the Mummy, and then you have Zombie Seven Last Rites, which was originally a film called La- Night of the Seagulls, and then there's Zombie what? Eight Urban Wait, Decay, no, released no. in 2020. No, what Night of the Sea? What? I, I, this gives me life. <laughs> this is madness. Absolute madness. All I'm picturing but, is like you just, you know, the fucking It's Always Sunny Charlie thing where he's yeah. got the board behind him. Yeah. I'm just like, how the <laughs> fuck did this happen? And they even the better. Seagulls. Even, <laughs> even, yeah, a film called Night of the Sequels, Seagulls, sorry, was made into a Dawn of the Dead sequel. <laughs> Just madness. And even better, in America, there were two 
uh, linear lines of these films. Like, (sighs) Zombie 2, there's like, one, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, (laughs) Unrelated unrelated titles were released to zombie sequels by TZ Video, aka Ed Entertainment, and they they released a completely different line of zombie films. So in America, there's like Zombie, which was Zombie 2, and the Italian Zombie 2. And then they changed Zombie 3 into Zombie 3. So in America, there's no Zombie 2. There's just Zombie, then Zombie 3. And Zombie is Zombie 2, and Zombie 3 is Zombie 3. Then there's Zombie 4, After Death, which is Alta la Morte, which was originally called After Death. Then Zombie 5, Killing Birds, which was the film that was originally Killing Birds, which... Wait a minute. I need to... And then went to Zombie fucking... Yeah. I'm not going to lie, this is I, the funniest thing I've heard in years. And then, this, is, this is hilarious. And then a different company in the 90s started releasing their own like line of zombie films. They had Zombie, which was Zombie 2 originally. Then Zombie 3 became Zombie 2. Then Zombie 3, Return of the Zombies, which was originally a film called The Hanging Woman. <laughs> oh, for fuck. La Orgia oh. de los Muertos. I'm going to piss um, myself. Zombie, then Zombie 4, A Virgin Among the Living Dead, which was a, originally a French film called Christina Princesse de uh, L'Erotissime. Uh, <laughs> then there was Zombie 5, Revenge, of the Ho- Revenge in the House of Usher, which was a Spanish film, uh, or Mexico. it was originally El... Undimiento de la why Casa why they bring Usher. Edgar Allan Poe into it? Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, Then there was Zombie 6, Monster Hunter, unrelated to the video games, presumably, which was originally a film called Absurd, (laughs) which was itself a pseudo-sequel to a film called Anthropophagus, which, incidentally, (laughs) Zombie 7 was originally called Anthropophagus. (laughs) So, AKA all... the Grim Reaper. So oh, a sequel gosh. to Anthropophagus was Zombie Six, and Anthropophagus was Zombie Seven. Unbelievable! This is the greatest thing ever. This is completely unrelated to all of it. None of this matters for the review of Dawn of the Dead. But Dawn of the Dead, um, Italian, uh, ed- the European edit, which was called Zombie in Italy, created a lineage of unofficial. Um, sequels that became a nightmare when they were then introduced over to other markets, which then got more renaming of films that were just jammed into the franchise. <laughs> it's just <laughs> absolute madness. I don't know if this is useful for the podcast, but I hope if if you put it in, the, that's the hardest round, I've fucking left in years. What the fuck? It's... Attack of the Seagulls. Yes, Attack. Wait a minute. Which, which one was that? Is that the Australian one? Yeah. So the Australian oh. Zombie Seven Last Rites was originally titled Night of the Seagulls. Well, it was actually called. Wait a minute, because it wasn't originally in English. It was originally La Noche de las Gaviotas, uh, also known as Don't Go Out at Night. And Night of the Death Cult, but it's yeah, it's mainly known as Night of the Seagulls, or or Zombie Seven Last Rites in Australia. Film. So I can skip over in my notes at the you end need... of this. Um, Goblin also did the fucking theming. 
<laughs> the music. Yeah. I'm not going to remember to say that. Oh dear. They, they, yeah, I'm listening to them right now. They're good. Um, that, that is the fu- genuinely the funniest shit I've heard in years. That I is, just, that I is just incredible. Went, I went down that rabbit hole while. Uh... That's the funniest shit ever. I did. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, uh, what is it with this fucking series and <laughs> production nightmares on release? I have. I. Uh... Oh right, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> very quickly go over to budget box office just to calm myself. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting you. It's just myself. as soon as you mentioned Dario Argento doing one cut and uh, you know George Romero doing another, I was like, "You've seen nothing yet." <laughs> Thank you, Arge- Argento spawned an God entire bless franchise. You, Argento. <laughs> oh. oh, incidentally, um, I know we did. We did a thing on Demons and Demons 2, great fucking films uh, that Argento produced. He is still making films with his daughter Asia. Uh, Dark Glasses is the most recent, which I saw is kind of a, a slasher thing, more reminiscent of his uh, Tenombre days. Good stuff. <laughs> Weird stuff. It's nowhere near as convoluted as this shit. <laughs> it's going to take me a while to get over that. <laughs> um, budget box Back office. Before, before the internet, and people didn't know better. <laughs> you just had so much shit Fucking like that. Hell. It was just the wild west oh. of uh, of naming films. The fact it took you about four minutes to get through the explanation. It's just mad. It's madness. <laughs> Fucking entirely. Uh, oh. right. Dawn of the Dead has uh, law, <laughs> law going after it. I, I kind of want to see all these films. None of them are going to have anything Don't, to do with Dawn oh, of the Dead, gonna, though. You know, I'm going to get at least five requests now. Oh, no, sorry. People coming in for watch the Italian shit. Can, can you imagine if you had to do all get the zombie films? All the films that are technically in the zombie franchise. I've had to do all the Tremors films. That killed oh, no. me. That broke me down. Um, I'm releasing <laughs> that. I'm releasing that soon. For anyone listening. We've, I don't wow. know that it's free. We are releasing the rest soon. Uh, fucking nightmare all those and the show Jesus right yeah budget box office I need to get on track I'm going to lose it again (laughs) I need Um, to close this tab I need to leave this behind (laughs) (laughs) budget 3 million US dollars that's what the inflation accounted for Uh, and inflation accounted for as well 66 million US dollars on the box office which very impressive still then Um, and now for horror films that is fucking great Mm. Yeah, it's a neat, it's a niche audience, uh, especially with this stuff when it's eighteen plus. Yeah, because they were struggling. I can't remember if they, because obviously it's uh, in America, their ratings mean like a lot. Because if you get like adult only, it's basically viewed the same way as pornography. Uh, I.e., no one will sell it. Like no I know, one. I can't remember which film it was, but he desperately tried to keep it from being X-rated. One of them. Yeah, X-rated, that was it. Because it, yeah. they didn't want to rate it because there you was are. just so much gore in this film. It's beautiful. You're fucked if it's X-rated. And they basically ended up having to compromise and put, there's a lot of gore but no nudity. And mm. don't bring anyone under 18 in. Yeah. I mean, this country, we're not much better. We had we're not much uh, better, but Mary we have a... Whitehouse, obviously, mm. is the famous 
girl who I've mentioned a lot on this, and I think I will go into deep dive eventually. Oh, is uh, that the in... one? Was it? It wasn't uh, Python, was it? Or was yeah, that... it was she Python. Fucked with them. Yeah. Uh, famously, uh, if you haven't heard, uh, George Harrison basically had to save Life of Brian. Yeah. The beat, the Beetle. Um, obviously, he had to come in. Exodus yeah, yeah. as well, killed by Mary Whitehouse. Uh, all around, and loads of other films. Uh, there's a documentary on her that's fascinating. That is worth watching. She was a religious nut job. Yeah. Complete insane woman who uh, tried to destroy the UK film industry and nearly fucking succeeded in doing so. I there is a special pit in hell for people like that. I I I cannot. I, you know, funny thing you said that. Um, and take this a grain of salt, suppose anyone listening, because it's come from me. I know someone who cared for her in an old people's home, and she was a bitch, apparently. So that's that's well i mean fucking... she's not going to be a nice person if she's that entitled to everyone yeah. else's artistic expression you're not going to have a nice person going around trying to you know oh. yeah uh trivia wise three different versions we talked about i saw the european one i happen to prefer it it's shorter it's miserable um compared to the other two there's a lot of stuff taken out that was a lot happier. The pie fight's taken out. Oh, the pie fight's great. Yeah. That's it's it's just depressing the Argento version. A lot of the fun stuff. I I prefer it because of that. Nah, you, a, you, gotta you gotta have the pie fight. You gotta have the pie fight. Yeah, the the, um, <laughs> the blood pressure checks left in for some reason. Fantastic. At least there's Which that. Is that's, that is the funniest. That, that is the funniest thing in the film by far. It's just great. And I think it's the. Yeah, trucks. Yeah, trucks. Guy that is that guy, but you you don't really see it clearly. But I think it's him that is the guy who does that. Oh, he is. Oh, that's perfect. I think so. I'm not 100 percent though because I couldn't see his face. Probably I was trying to figure out where he was because I was waiting to see that guy die because he wears a Nazi uniform. So I was really looking forward to seeing him die, and then I can't remember explicitly seeing him die. So. I think every time we mention, yeah, trucks. Yeah, trucks. So I'm just going <laughs> to put that in. That section. Uh, this is so good. That one. I'm just going to put, yeah, trucks. Yeah, trucks. I'm going to splice it in. Um, yep. What, what, why do that? What, why? When you could just say it again? We could just say it over and over again. That, that's much why more not, enjoyable. Why not do both? Why not do both? We say it again, and then it cuts. It cuts. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> both. Um, uh, Tom Savini uh, chose grey colour for the zombie skin. Regretted yeah, it. Yeah, trucks! Because it ended up looking blue. I like it. It's kind of a smurf, smurf zombie, sort of been called in future. I happen to use it. You know what, fuck it. Anyone who's yeah, got this far, email uh, semicircularfilm at gmail.com for a picture. I'll send you a picture of me as a smurf zombie. I ripped up my prom jacket for that. Oh. I bought a top hat and shit. I've uh, got a cane as well somewhere around. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that costume for Halloween. It's mm-hmm. not as good as uh, the Hellraiser one, but it is pretty fucking stellar. It is quite funny how the zombies in both Night and Dawn, in arguably the most iconic zombie films of all time, the zombies... I mean, it. Like, I know you just said you like the look of the blue zombies, but it is a bit. It's goofy. It is goofy. Yeah. It it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, 
you know, it's made in the bloody 70s, so, and it's practical effects as well, all of it. There's no, there's no digital stuff. It's all practical. It's, the, the gore, the gore itself is fucking amazing, but the zombies it's themselves, some of them can be a bit, you know, much. They don't, mm. I, I mean, I, it doesn't cut into my immersion or anything like that. I don't like, think like, oh, that looks ridiculous. I still, I'm trying uh, to think of stuff the in the seventies that the zombie films. I can't think of any off the top of my fucking head now. Um, I mean, nineteen eighty five when Day of the Day came out, there seemed to be just a massive explosion of really realistic and incredible looking stuff, including yeah, in Day yeah, of the Dead. Yeah. I Return of the Living Dead, Demons actually by Dario Argento, mm. uh, looked incredible. Yeah, yeah, um, and a lot of other stuff, but yeah. I think the important zombies. I know Steven just looks great when oh, he comes yes. out, Flyboy. He looks That's, fucking great. As does there's explicit detail on um, Roger when he comes up to look grey, not blue. Yeah, he just looks like a like he himself is just mortified to be a zombie. It's like he looks like he's uniquely suffering, even compared to other zombies, because he's just so you know. Mortified that he has, be- you know, been become. Both one. of them are excellent, either way. Um, yes, yes, yeah. I love the gun being stuck in the finger on Stephen. It's, I love that. It's so detailed. <laughs> I love that music. I'm going to get to that, but yeah. I fucking adore that with the slide whistles as well. Slide yes. whistles um, through that. It's, it's almost mean. It's almost vindictive, but it's fucking hilarious. Um, extras who appeared in the film reportedly given $1 cash and a donut and a Dawn the Dead t-shirt, which very reminiscent of Shaun the Dead, uh, where they were given a pound, I think. Right, yeah, 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 because they're given a dollar. I know they were given a dollar for uh, Day of the Dead. I, did, I, couldn't, I, did, I didn't know if they got one. If I got dollar in this as well, and a donut. Yeah. Oh. And a donut, oh, okay. And uh, a shirt. I think they got a fake newspaper uh, with George Romero's signature uh, in Day of the Dead, and the, the the newspaper, the fake newspaper, the headline is the I think the Dead Walk or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember it at the start of the film. Um, great thing. Yes, it's and basically probably that newspaper. Bit. Probably genuinely worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Here you go. I mean, you said about robbing your house. The most expensive thing in my house by far is a signed. Poster by Rudger Hauer, a couple of weeks Ooh. before he died. Oh wow! What, uh, what is the poster? Rob me instead. Uh, Blade Runner, of course. Oh god! Hobo with a shotgun. I really wanted to get done, but again, uh, very, very unfortunately passed away. Yeah, Rudger Hauer, and exceptional actor. Um, so if you want to rob someone, best there's your fucking incentive. Uh, uh, best monologue in film ever. Yeah, ever? now I'll stand by that. Yeah. As well, I I can't think is. of a more important, especially in the context of the film, like how the film is brilliant anyway. But that one moment, that one speech, makes the film almost it just uh right. Uh, so all that stuff, yeah, dead t-shirt. Uh, zombie actors took photographs of themselves dressed up in full zombie makeup inside of photo booths and left them as the kind of 
um, placator photos for everyone to see in the mall. <laughs> because this was done in an actual mall. Yes, it was. Uh, overnight. And so it, there has to have been a bit of blood or some guts kind of left over. There's no way they managed to keep that off on hand. Can you imagine drive, driving a bike in the mall? Oh, it'd be fucking beautiful. That is... I, I imagine some of the hooting and hollering is uh, genuine. <laughs> I mean, I've rode the TT. It's one of the best feelings you, I, I've had ever. Where you go over the winding paths in the Isle of Man. Um, I can only imagine what it's like driving around a mall. Just spectacular. I would. It, you would immediately become a big child. I cannot. It's like it. It would just be a playground at that point. Yeah, I mean it is. You can see it is in film. There is. There is a lot of play in Dawn of the Dead, which is why I like personally the inclusion the the the, the pie fight because there is. You know, it's like the music we alluded to earlier that plays over a few a couple of scenes late in the film. There's yeah. There's a. There's a lot of play. There's a feeling of play happening. And of course the main characters having fun in the mall themselves. Obviously it's not entirely painted as a positive thing, but there is a bit of there's a lot of play. Uh, It's it's almost necessary because it'd be otherwise the most miserable thing in the fucking world. Yes, yes, absolutely. Talking in. There is a bit of playfulness to the film yeah. to offset the miserable everything else. <laughs> I, going into that, first 20 minutes aren't fun no, at all. The They're first... good, um, spectacular, but they aren't fucking fun. No. I particularly am... F- uh, 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 I think it's uh, with the, uh, the raid, the uh, police raid on the building... Yeah, I mean, some... I'll quickly, briefly just oh, yeah, touch yeah, yeah. on the, big, the, the new stuff so we don't have to touch it. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's very well done, um, but no, no, it's just to get out of the way, pretty much. It's, there's there's a great use of sound mixing through it where important information is allowed in and everything else is kind of left as basically folio, mm-hmm. um, where they keep it as a panicked state, but you can hear what you need to hear, shoot them in the head, everything's going to shit. There. Yeah. Pretty much, that's it's really well done. Um, very subtle as well. There's a there's a lot of you know, it, it's shown that basically things are like falling out of everyone's control and everything's like like uh, there's the producer who's uh, sorry uh, the 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 woman uh, her name Francine already Francine that's it of course Francine has removed like the list of rescue stations off of the broadcast. That have uh, gone be- to shit, yeah. Because those that list is outdated, basically. But the producers like keep it on because if we don't keep up that, people are going to tune out and not watch us anymore. And it's like, really, ratings still. But of course, which makes me, like, which it kind of. Uh... Well, it comes into the consumerism and the kind of um, uh, numbing into society. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a theme throughout the entire thing. It's kind of instilled now, uh, expertly done. Yeah, and that all that goes off. You hear about the helicopter that uh, Stephen is going to take Francine off on. Yes, which I suppose you find out he's so dogmatic about doing it because she's pregnant later, which yeah. is a, a big reveal. 
Um, and as we said earlier, slightly double-edged in that I really can't get over how useless she was earlier in the film, but you kind of see her and Steven slightly more justified in a lot of the actions they took. Yeah. The problem is that how you feel towards them before that revelation can carry over a little bit because emotionally you still felt what you felt before. Yeah, it's now, as I'm saying it, that how he was so um, gung-ho for a lot of it, that's because she was pregnant. I'm kind of realising that right now. Yeah, exactly. Which just goes to show that I I think they'm... No, you know what? I don't think they did fuck it up. I think it's quite right that I'm questioning that. It's like... Once you realise that and actually look at sort of the actions of the characters, it's like, wow, the character motivations are set pretty clearly from the get-go. It's just the audience aren't aware of what those motivations are. Once you are, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense, that yeah. makes sense. It's much more clear that these characters just feel like real people with their motivations ironclad, regardless of what the audience is aware of. Oh, out today. Uh, yeah, we get to the uh, SWAT stuff. Uh, it's about 10 minutes with the news stuff and then the SWAT stuff coming in. I don't know if it changes the different cuts. I think the mall stuff is where it kind of got shifted around. I don't think it yeah, was any yeah, of this yeah. part. Yeah, the, the SWAT team, one of the f- my favourite bits. I think one of the best sections where it is just... It, it's wall-to-wall gore, really, where you get to see Tom Savini's work, but with... And the adage of the characterization of this incredibly racist police officer who's just going for a SWAT <laughs> team member, really, who's He's, just gone nuts. He just goes off on one and starts yeah. just complaining about how... Uh, he's talking about this fucking uh, apartment building. It's, it's not even an apartment building. It's like... A, it's just a place where like um, a large amount of Puerto Rican and other... Um, immigrants have they been took our like, germs. Yeah, have just been shoved, and he's like moaning about like he's saying, "Shit, this is this place is better than what I've got," and it's like, oh, I think it's, it's entirely there. I mean, he's almost a characterization. He's um, he is ridiculous, yeah, it. but it's it's what Roger eventually becomes. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I think that's why he was there. Because Roger here is a contrast to him. Roger is less racist in the end. Yeah. (laughs) I I suppose with with Bob and everything, Roger is happy to kind of go gung-ho and kill stuff. That's how he deals with the apocalypse. And in this section, he's a direct contrast to the um, fucking nutter. And he kind of tries to calm stuff down. He tries to tell people, don't run ahead. And the gangers get shot instead. Oh my god! Do. The first bit where there's like the nervous, like young cop right next to him, and he's yeah. like consoling him, and then uh, the guys come out, and he immediately gets shot. It just it gives the tone quite <laughs> exactly. nicely. Exactly, it's like right. You thought that uh, that character was going to be important. No, you wanted to care about this little kid. It was nervous about uh, this raid. Bang. <laughs> Straight a fucking way. No time. No time whatsoever. At least he was shot in the head, though, so he won't come back. Very small consolation. But... Yeah. And then the, the, yeah. there's a shootout. 
uh, I think uh, some that like the leader of the people who are holding up the inside the apartment block is like called Martinez, and I think I think he's one of the people that comes out shooting. It's uh, never really explained yeah. a lot of the stuff, and it it seems like carnage and chaos after that point anyway. Yes, I, yes. It's just a a beautiful splash of gore and heads getting blown, arms getting chewed in. Um, oh, the the first really gruesome moment for me is when uh, these the, the the zombie is like he walks out of the room while the cops are on the floor dealing with another zombie. He goes to like his girlfriend wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. she says something in presumably Spanish, and then he bites a chunk out of her shoulder, and it's just oh, it looks awful. It's amazing. This entire like ten minute, five minute, ten minute sequence is just miserable. Like wall to wall, it's so fast and so adrenaline fueled. But yeah. you get um, some woman getting killed by her presumably husband, boyfriend, whatever. Yeah, through that, which is awful. You get one guy killing himself. Yes, in this section, because mm-hmm. he, he has to shoot uh, a zombie in the head, and then he just, he clearly he must he feels like about a lot of guilt maybe or. Is just overwhelmed by the situation in general and takes his life by shooting himself in the uh, head, in the mouth. I wonder whether that was an attempt at kind of putting Roger through the situation of going through awful stuff yeah. for Peter, and that's why he cracked slightly sooner because he saw all that shit and then. Hmm, maybe pretty... although Peter does have to kill kid zombies. Yeah, I. It, I know it kind of pushes around. I suppose people have different breaking points, though. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think they both go through the shit, and Roger breaks a bit early. Peter's definitely the calmer one throughout the entire series. Yeah. Um, of events, anyway. But yeah, you get the basement scenario as well, which is masterfully done. Where all on Kemfrey as well. It, it's pretty much on his fucking shoulders. This entire section where he goes around executing, and there's no real word for it from the character's perspective, but executing I do, zombies. I do like, because after the guy kills himself, um, Roger runs down to the basement and like stumbles into... Um, uh, how, I'm terrible with names. Uh, Peter? Peter? Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter. Thank you. The music uh, and stops ha- as well, Yeah, the music stops, say. and all the chaos and carnage that's been happening, and presumably is still happening, just kind of like stops and there's just a little lull or a little calm down and they have a fag break oh sorry cigarette break uh, for american listeners uh they do not smoke some homosexuals um but uh they have a cigarette break and uh talk about how you know a friend of mine's got this helicopter establishing that these two groups are limited you know connected the Stephen and francine and these two and uh then the black pastor comes out and uh, asks to let him pass and says, I've given them the, the dead last rites down in the basement. You may do what you will. Uh, the people of this building will let you do what they want, what you want now. I don't think is it says what you do at your will, you do what you must. Yeah, do what you must, yes. I think, yeah, it's he know, you very know somber. What he, yeah, yeah. yeah. He know, he's not happy about it at all, but he knows that you know he's done what he had to do. He's given them their last rights, and he's got one leg as well. Yeah, he's, all this. Yeah, you yeah. see this broken fucking man. I can't remember um, what the first part. 
I can't remember the first part of the line, but he he says we must stop the killing or we lose the war. Um, yeah, something like we must stop killing each other or we lose the war, and then he just hobbles off yeah. as the the two uh, protagonists watch. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's a a kind of lull in the storm, but still the entire twenty minutes are depressing as fuck. Yeah, it's like there's so much intensity for like ten minutes in that raid scene that you really need that scene where they just have a breather. And then a quiet conversation with the pastor which leads to the yeah, scene in the basement. Immediately followed by an execution of a load of zombies. Yeah. And you see the start of Peter kind of cracking. Well, you you have Roger saying, like, why do they why did they keep them like this? Because they've got like a bunch of zombies tied up in the basement, like, that, um, and they're like eating some flesh and stuff. And uh, Peter says because they were it. It's something like they they wanted to save them. They thought they could save them. No, 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 it, no, no. It was why did these people keep them here? And Peter says because they still think there's respect in dying. I think that's really the difference um, yeah. between Peter and Roger. I think Peter always had a grasp on the situation, and yeah, Roger was very much a um, an action man at heart. Yeah, he ever contemplated what was actually going on, which is why he ended up going full on action mode, and that's what led to his death. While Peter went fuck this and was going to just shoot himself. Yeah, but he, he lasts a lot longer though. He only goes through even more shit. So in the end, anyway. But he holds that he he basically he, he wants to kill himself, and it almost does, and then decides against it. Um, I get the feeling he w- he was contemplating that a lot through the film. Yes, I mean, after Roger was bit, I think that's when he was just on the cusp of fuck it. Yeah, I think the, you can see during the biker stuff he perked up. Yeah, he had yeah, something yeah. To focus on. He has a god that I know we're jumping the gun, but the uh, the domestication of uh, the holdout, the, the hide, the hideout, uh, where yeah. you know it, it's become a full fucking living room and they're settled, and it and then the, the and Francine just like, what have we done to ourselves? I a hundred percent think that if that had continued without the bikers coming in, he'd have shot himself. Yeah, within like, the week. That's the slow death. It's clear that that's a kind of. It's hinted that it's a slow death that's been happening to them all that time. They're just like, you know, protect. They think that they're protected by their the mole, as it were. I think there's there was a line in a behind the scenes documentary I saw on Dawn of the Dead where George Romero said uh, he he talks of like how the themes of the film in that they're you know, the false security of consumer society. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it, yeah. It, they think it's going to save them. It's being, it's, locking yourself into your own prison, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Francine calls it, you, you don't realise that the this place is a, a, is a prison as well. I think it's a real shame that uh, George Romero couldn't be here for kind of the Gen Z era, where we're all on our own, on computers, kind of surviving that way. Yeah. It's a real shame he couldn't take that and extrapolate it out into a zombie situation. 
I'd well, be fascinated to see what he thought of it. Well, other filmmakers can make their, you know, can take that idea and run with it themselves. Hopefully. I'm sure they will. So with all that, we can jump, I suppose, uh, past the two kind of opening gambits and into them colliding together where they go to a airport, get on a helicopter. Peter meets up with Roger's mates, being Stephen and Francine. All get on the plane. They refuse, as we said earlier, some cigarettes to some poor fucking... There's a bit of a standoff situation where some other cops who are also fleeing but are taking a boat instead. Uh, they're, they're... Standoff's a bit harsh, I think. Well, there's a kind of... Um, but they ultimately decide to like be amicable and uh, leave each other be. Let, let each other go, rather. Let, there's a little yeah, let live. nod to a threat, but then ultimately they're kind of just messing around, really. This kind of reminds me of. Have you ever played the uh, game This War of Mine? Uh, this War of Mine, I own it. I do. I have not played it. It's uh, that is miserable, but it is a very good game. Yeah, it's it's got cigarettes as a currency through that, more or less. By the end of it, I do you know a bit about it because I've seen um, other people play it. That's usually how I find out about games these days. <laughs> the really fucking miserable ones. Mm. God, that That's, game's like... Yeah, I, I seem to be fucking gravitating towards certain genres. Yeah, I, that, that kind of has cigarettes is a thing. And I can only imagine that that's what happened. Fuck Fallout and its caps. Cigarettes would. Actually, maybe not now, to be fair, now that people aren't smoking, but... Yeah, so smoking's... Um... Thing of the past, except in Eastern fucking Europe. Well, but... for quite a lot of the world, it's still a big thing. Not just Eastern Europe. I think it's uh, just here, really. I suppose we're the exception to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, fly off and they're continuing in a direction. I think it was towards Cleveland, they said. No. Nope. Uh, technically filmed in Pittsburgh, uh, Romero's hometown. Yes. Uh, um, I think there's a mention later. I don't know if this is the, the edit I watched or uh, if it's in both, but they mentioned that they were headed to Canada. Yeah, they're going towards it, but they yes. never hit it. Right, I guess. Which Pittsburgh? I'm trying. That is in yes. the north. Well, for a fact. Pittsburgh um, is Cleveland. Not, I, I don't know the map entirely well. Yeah, I don't know my uh, American geography that well, so someone can correct me. I know more Americans listen to this than Brits, so someone can tell me how it is. But they they continue on. Stephen falls asleep. Flyboy falls asleep. Partway down the journey, which. For fuck's sake. Well, he helicopter fuel. He's, like that. he's nodding it. off, but he doesn't fully go to you know, fall asleep. Um, fortunately, S- he's, he's struggling because he's he has to stay awake the whole time. Everyone else can have like naps here and there, but he can't, and he's struggling. And then we get to the refueling oh, scene, uh, which I think is is very is important. There, um, just quickly, uh, is there not the scene where they're flying over the rednecks? Oh shit! I completely forgot. Yeah. Um. So the rednecks and uh, the national guard, who were both volunteers, they got hunters from the area to come in and shoot yeah. down local zombies. Basically, um, refreshing the Night of the Living Dead situation with the uh, the cops in that kind of bringing that mo- not motif, yeah, motif back. 
um, briefly to comment makes, on. Makes sense uh, to why Ben was shot on yeah. site. It's like, I think they say a bit those, uh, yeah, those rednecks are probably enjoying the whole thing. Cue a, a, a montage of the rednecks enjoying the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's very sobering if you watch these kind of sequentially. Mm-hmm. And you go straight from Night of the Living Dead, where Ben's hooked away yeah. as a corpse, to these guys just yeah, shooting and having a whale of a time and for fun. having a right laugh. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's how I'd recommend watching these. By the way, um, just watch them all three in one go, if you can. So it, it really just oh, push absolutely. it. And it. Yeah, it's. Or at least keep it in mind, the previous, because they really do follow on really nicely. Um, yeah, Rednecks and National Guard as well, just shooting arbitrarily <laughs> into whatever looks vaguely like a human body. Yeah, whatever looks like a zombie, which is which is basically anything that looks like a human. Yeah, and the back of your mind, I don't, they only shoot zombies, obviously, for yeah, all this yeah. bit, but the back of your mind, you're thinking they've definitely killed Well, people. yeah, I mean... It is basically calling back to what uh, the stuff in Night of the Living Dead, and there are one alluded to moment and the very and the ending of the film that where they definitely do that. Yeah, um, onto more fun stuff, um, child killing. Yeah, <laughs> get to the refueling refueling Ooh. scene. Um, I suppose before we jump onto that, um, first things first, reverberated music. This is where it was. I've put in my notes from Shaun the Dead, uh, which is where the start of the fuck, where he kind of leaves the flat and you can see uh, the person kicking the ball and everything. There's that same music that comes in. And to be fair, I think the uh, the theme for Shaun the Dead, you know, that da 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 kind of kind of holds on the same tone as some of the more mm. music. Um, it's slightly jovial in a weird way. Push on, yeah. That that comes mm-hmm. in now. Some slightly happier <laughs> music. Uh, and something goes full throttle in the mall scenes. Yeah, we get, first things first, some guy with a massive fucking forehead, which is just Tom Savini doing what he does best. <laughs> yeah, accentuating uh, yeah. certain parts of the body. That's fucking great. When you watch it um, in Monday, you see that fucking Neanderthal over there. What the hell's wrong with him? Then you see his just head get chopped in two, and it's great. The helicopter blades. The zombie basically climbs up some crates to get over them, and and then gets its the top the top of its dome cut off by helicopter blades. It looks amazing. It yeah, it looks it's just great. fantastic. It looks like. If you tried doing that same shot now, it, you couldn't make it look better, like with a more advanced technology or you know anything. It. I mean, the acting as well as he's just dropping down. Yeah, Roger's kind of like just about to deal with it with a gun, and then just kind of like looks at it, <laughs> just watches it kill itself. In, in the meantime, uh, we get. Stephen acting, I say incompetent, I said earlier, some care experience, pretty much as anyone would in these situations. Mm-hmm. Same with Francine, in retrospect, yeah. from what you learn. There's no way you would just run in and just gung-ho, slam people in with hammers, 
and no, manage it. No. I'd be so terrified of doing the wrong thing in that situation. I can understand why someone would be like Francine and just be frozen. Like, I do not want to fuck up. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to do anything that would, like, do anything wrong. And I'm very vulnerable right now. Yeah. I had same with Stephen, where he kind of just goes to clothesline slash hug someone. <laughs> yeah. Just running around. <laughs> I can see someone doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's... I, I've been in fucking football brawls. I've seen people do that. It's easy sometimes to look at how... Uh, characters uh, act and say, "Oh, you wouldn't do that. You do this because you're an observer. You're a you, funny thing. You can more logically that, think through things." Like horror movie critics haven't been in fights. Yeah, <laughs> like nine times out of ten, they haven't got the shit kicked out of them, and don't know that. Yeah, this is how it goes down. Really, <laughs> it it looks like shit. Yeah, you're not in fucking old boy. You're not in. Ooh. Seven Samurai. It's kind of funny as well. I won't lie. It is pretty funny, but still. <laughs> and then we yeah. get to the kid zombies. <laughs> well, we get to Peter. He's in a, He's checking out the office for this like uh, refueling station, and he's there's, there's like a knock behind. There's like a a groan, a zombie groan from behind the door, and knocking, and he shoots the door. And then uh, eventually stops shooting, and then out of the door comes two little zombie, two little zombies. Uh, Which little... is how it would be. Yeah. Um, when we get to it, it's it's horrifying because, of course, we have a zombie kid in Night of the Living Dead, um, and that's like, but that's sufficiently built up to. Obviously, you don't necessarily know first time going in. That she's going to be a, become a zombie. Well, we know now, but like back then, you wouldn't necessarily. But at the beginning of this film, just you know, only like fifteen, twenty minutes in, just two kids just run out and go for Peter, and he has to shoot them. I, and... It's almost a one for one of the scene in Twenty Eight Days Later, mm. where someone goes into a gas station and sees a kid's dead. Um, I can't remember exactly how that scene goes now in my head. But I remember there were like dead kids in a gas station. I can't remember if they killed... I think there were zombie kids that they had to kill. But they didn't mm. show it. No. Um, th- this is what? really, really brutal. They... Well, you don't see... Oh, no, you don't see the shot, but you do see the, the zombie children collapse afterwards. There's enough is, there that... Yeah. It, it's harrowing. Like, they, they they let you see the zombie children collapse after being shot in the head. They don't, let, they don't actually show the shot to the head, though. I can imagine if they ever had that shot, they'd edit it out. Because, I mean, for one thing, you'd have to get a squib on a child's head. And I imagine there are health and safety... There are regulations against that, even in the 70s, surely. And even if there aren't regulations, you wouldn't want to do that. Like, that takes it a step beyond what you should do. Yeah. From what you're trying to accomplish as a film, from the message you're trying to push that, that is too much. To be and if to be as harrowing as it ends up being is completely unnecessary as well. So Yeah, I I think going too gory as well is mm. is Yeah, too much. it's it's too exploitive. 
it's already it, the all what's already there is completely you know ne- uh, enough it's it's enough especially as this whole kind of 30 minutes is just tension filled mm. i mean we get yeah. after this um another zombie comes out uh you get steven trying to shoot at it and he's basically ricocheting towards peter well, no, Stephen is like, if there's like a line, it's Stephen and Peter and in the middle is the zombie and Stephen shoots at the zombie while Peter is right be- behind the zombie from his perspective. And so Peter has to jump out of the way because he might get shot. And um, and then uh, Peter, no, sorry, Roger comes over and just deals with the zombie in one shot after Stephen misses a bunch with the gun because he's He's untrained. Not, he's untrained, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we get just, yeah, Roger coming in who knows what he's fucking doing. Yeah. And he's got um, an old Colt M16 that can actually fucking hit it. <laughs> There's yeah. Vietnam fucking knowledge coming in there. Then uh, after that, Peter comes out, confronts Stephen, points his gun at him. He's like, never aim a gun at anyone, mister. Scary, isn't it? it it's a great line yeah incredibly well put um and there's you, you kind of have to make in comparison with ben uh yeah. not not on a racial level obviously it's it's not just because it's a black character coming through <laughs> but it's it, it's that kind of pragmatist um mindset mm. that's kicking in you know t- to some extent you, you have to make the comparison it's an, the outsider coming in. Yeah, because Roger and Stephen are friends. It's really difficult, yeah. I, I really so, didn't want to make it, but it's kind of that outsider coming in and race relations even in the 70s were kind of dubious. Well, race um, relations in the 70s were quite... Uh, tenuous. Uh, um, it's just, just like the 60s, there was a lot of yeah, upheaval. A lot of... Uh, uh, so it still has that subtext to it. Hmm. Unfortunately, it always kind of will. Well, not no, as far as our. If, I, if the things... hope obviously is that it stops. But yeah, the hope na- is one nowadays day that it, it still doesn't... would. Yeah, Even nowadays, now, yeah. it would. At, yeah, as he points the gun down, kind of scary, isn't it? Isn't it? He reiterates and then just like lifts Stephen up onto his feet and uh, walks off. So yeah, their their relationship right. is not off to the best of uh, best start, but Peter is, you know, not in the wrong. Really, Stephen does fuck up, but yeah, you know. I, it's a, a pragmatist side to it. Yeah. Right, Peter continues on that, um, which again is why I feel compared to Roger, he just goes depressed entirely. Yeah. He's pragmatically so I, just I, collapses. I do. It, uh, Peter does warm up to Flyboy a bit, though. Yeah, yeah, no, which is really nice. It, shit, these it films. make it makes that warming up to him quite heartwarming. When Stephen finally proves himself, shows himself useful by finding the uh, air duct stuff. The air duct stuff, yeah, yeah. And uh, Peter's very, you know, he's kind of warming up to them. And then when they're all like shouting at the zombies to draw attention to them together, that moment of like bonding between the three men then. Uh, it's quite a, a significant moment as far as the characters all getting along uh, much better. 
It's, yeah, it's, like, it's like an icebreaker that thaws the relationship. I think the film goes through kind of um, two peaks sections. One before Roger's bit and one just after his bit. Where it kind of uh, alleviates the misery yeah. Yeah. that you feel otherwise. Uh, which night Knight kind of builds up to crescendo all the way through. It goes up and up and up and up and then just goes completely miserable <laughs> and is awful. At yeah. the end. I mean, great in terms of filmmaking, but just feels awful. It's um, a descent into the, you know, just despair. Day is falling. Day is kind of a weird, miserable, 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 and then kind of get gets cathartic to the end. Yeah, Dawn yeah. has these weird kind of peaks and troughs. Yeah, yeah, that it goes through. That's fucking hard to sit through. It's a bit um, of a roller coaster ride, but then night is kind of as well because it has like significant moments where bad shit really goes down. I think the bad shit goes down, but night is just it. It doesn't let off. Dawn kind of does. There's a here. bit more. Yeah, there's a bit. There's more moments of brevity, more uh, or levity. Levity, much, yeah. Certainly yeah. in the cans cut as well, where it's a bit longer, where they add to that um, yeah. frivolity for I the presume mall. a bit more shopping and uh, a bit more and they go to an arcade at, at one point as well. And that's after Roger's bitten as well. Yeah, uh, that is in it. This is a, a really good section I remember where he's kind of looking at the screen where he's playing on the um yeah, racing he's, game. He's, yeah, he's a racing game, isn't it? Yeah. And it gets fucked. Yeah, screen. yeah. I think he crashes in the game, like he, like a, and then it comes back, and the look on his face—it's like a a child that has had their ice cream taken away from them. He's just so confused and and sad. I think it might just be on my side. I almost assume that's kind of like the zombie taking yeah, out yeah, yeah, the yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah, that's what I felt as well. Kind of slowly losing his humanity. Or at least uh, his. Uh, yeah. It's really hard hitting. Way suddenly you see him with the hair out later in, and you think that even in this kind of jovial moment, he's losing what makes him him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the mall, they get they land down. Yes. They see it's pretty much occupied by well, the zombies. Th- yeah, there's zombies in there, but they they see that the power is still on, which is quite useful to re- realise because uh, it, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> I think Peter mentions he, he says like it might be nuclear or something like that. I don't those know. to be fair, those will last for months. Yeah, yeah. Continue so, going. And then they'll blow up and kill us all. So, yeah. uh, well, coal well, plants Actually, to be too. fair, probably just slowly turn off. Yeah. I think it's overblown. Uh, you know, you either it's either really bad safety regulation or lack thereof rather, or a big tsunami comes in and hits it. Is typically what needs to happen for uh, nuclear plants to uh, be a big problem. Yeah, they uh, anyway. go down, secure up the place, get ready to push in. Uh, eventually, Peter and Roger continue to jump down with Stephen falling asleep. At the side, fair enough. Poor yeah. fucker's been flying for hours. Francine takes some objection, but 
honestly, there's part of me through through a lot of this, um, and I think Peter almost takes the same kind of element. He he's a a decent person through a lot of it, and he he tries to keep her in the loop. Mm-hmm. But there's an element of look, you've fucked up, God knows how many times, and I'm not going to help you until you actually can do something. Yeah, there's also a little element of you know. Peter knows Roger. He doesn't know the other two, so he probably wants to just, you know. I myself, be, um, he's, more, he's probably more comfortable yeah. with him anyway. Also, there's a bit of there's uh, when it comes to like them going off into the mall while Stephen's asleep. It's like there's a a bit of a a smile, you know, a bit of a pep in their step. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna go and do like let's go. You know, they they it's a bit of excitement. Yeah, get to work. Kind of yeah, yeah, same same in the truck moment. To be fair, it's yes, kind of bantering yes. back and forth. And when the uh, raiders come, the uh, bikers come with uh, Stephen. In that case, yes, yes, I kind of just shove back. Yeah, Peter's kind of in his element, which is the only point where he isn't depressed and going to shoot himself in the head. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, this film is incredibly subtly miserable <laughs> for the entirety. Yeah, it, it's what I really love about it. It's what I just about prefer to uh, Day of the Dead because Peter is just a depressing character who's just you can see the degradation on. Yeah, lights come on, uh, hilarious fucking music as they start turning the power on in the mall with slide <laughs> whistles with the uh, escalators going up and you can see zombies just kind of shuffling about, barely holding balance falling into fountains <laughs> I mean, it's clearly commentary on kind of consumerism and how people are linked to the local mall to survive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty fucking funny. I can't lie. Yeah, just like, just without even thinking about it, just wandering from throughout the mall. I've, I've got, I've had that where I'm just like... Uh... I've gone through, like, days of my life when I was 16, 17 going to Birmingham City Centre, running up uh, the downwards escalator and pissing off people going down. I've done that. <laughs> in um, fucking Debenhams. Yeah, I've been an arsehole in past trying to impress some people. Wow. You surprised me. I've done some really stupid shit when I was a kid. I ended up... This is nerdy as fuck and horror-related as it happens... Like I'm pressing my fingers down as hard as I could. I ended up playing um, Tears on the Vine, which is a song from Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay. That is played when Iroh's kid dies. Um, oh, wow. I, I got to the piano in one of the shops. I can't remember the life of me now. In Birmingham, I played it as hard as I fucking could through. I had a piano set up and I happened to... I have a few greys in it. I just played that as hard as I fucking could. That's my rebellion phase. <laughs> oh dear. It's so fucking sad. I'll look back at it. Man. No, I was I was a little cunt when I was a kid. And now you're a big cunt. Yeah. Now I get into uh Tugs of War with police. Hooray. If you're gonna, you're gonna yeah. have to get into a tug of war with anything, you know, have it with the British police. They deserve it. Hopefully, they fell over. They took our banners off us. Oh, cunts.
Yep, not to um, get political, but... Uh, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit. Like, I nearly got arrested and my friends got arrested. I'm going to get a little political. And yeah. for anyone listening in this far, <laughs> you're going to have to deal with that. Um, yeah. You get zombies falling on their asses, uh, running for the <laughs> department store. I, I suppose there isn't really an equivalent store when I was a kid or now kind of everything in one area. Yeah, the the like I suppose Woolworths maybe. I mean that that went bust when I was about eight. Oh God, how that old was about two thousand and I'm I'm twenty three. I'm a young little boy. Fuck's sake. Ah <laughs> oh, well, I I won't hold it against you. Oh, so I have tie to uh, blame for the man I am now. Oh no. Okay. Well, you're doomed. Yeah. He he brought me through yeah. adulthood and fucking teenager. Oh god, of course, because when I, I first met you, you were really young. Mm. That's the first time I got really drunk, you know, um, back at the... Here's a <laughs> fun fucking fact for me. The first time I got drunk... Um, was at the social club? At the social club when I was 15. Oh my god. That's how Birmingham is for you. Yeah. First I time I had alcohol, first time I got drunk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And that's look hard. at me now. It's built me into fucking misery. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this part is still going up and down pre war worths. <laughs> yes. Pre war worths. They go around picking out bits and pieces from around the place. Yes. And they're, they're really in the zone. Uh, eventually, Stephen gets up, and in retrospect, and I'll I'll give the creator this because I think he intended it. Uh, he goes down specifically for Francine's sake because mm. I know Francine kind of goes on a we should just get in the helicopter and fuck off. Yeah. Um, and I think he he couldn't do that himself, and I think in his own head he thinks she couldn't do that either. Mm. And couldn't live with herself, so he goes down to either confirm their own deaths or deal with the whole situation. Yeah, because they, I think they, it's apparent that they need them for protection at this point because they can handle the guns and they can't. I don't think it's, it's more kind of a moral level of. I don't think either of us could deal with the implication that we left them to die. Oh um, right, yeah, which I think is what he says to some extent. And that's, yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have gone down. No. It's a mistake. But I can understand the logic of going down. And I really like the scene where he is down. He kind of goes through, like, a dirty Harry fucking go through all six chambers. Do you feel lucky, punk? And gets to the end and eventually fires off. I quite like that moment. <laughs> it's It's a really nice point of kind of incompetence that's twisted round to allowing him to survive but still showing that off um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I really do love that point um, his whole character arc of going from incompetent to competent is great and it has a really good ending uh, to it where his, his arrogance very similar to Roger gets the better of him and he dies because of it yeah as opposed to Francine who kind of had an understanding of how incompetent she was at the start and that helps her to have some humility to it 
Yeah, she kind of wants to just stay out of the way in a lot of scenes in the very beginning. Yeah, I, I think it gave some... She understood the gravitas of the situation and wasn't willing to kind of jump in, leap in head first like Stephen was. Um, but yeah, Stephen eventually gets down. Also, gets involved. Uh, in hindsight, Stephen going down isn't a mistake because uh, Stephen going down, um, he is the one that finds out about it, figures out the uh, air duct, um, and they would have struggled to get back. Uh, I think it's one that. of the fun things, kind of where Stephen's intelligence comes into it, mm-hmm. and they kind of put on a yeah, they're really good with the guns, they're really good with the pushing and the shoving and all that stuff, but. Stephen has an analytical mind and can actually do something mm. that can help. I mean, that's where Peter's uh, opinion of Stephen kind of twists. Yeah, it becomes a bit more positive. Actually, I think it goes up a bit before then as well when he is out and about doing stuff in general because it's like because Stephen shows a bit of bravery kind of thing. Oh, when he's running ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Peter tells him to run, run, run. And then there's kind of this uplifting music mm-hmm. as he starts charging off. I, I really do love the kind of the scenes where they're just running through the hordes. There's, yeah. there's moments where I kind of think in my head, they should be eaten here, but... <laughs> nah. Nah, not yet. Yeah, it has a really nice um, chaotic, but kind of frivolous, let's charge ahead and see what happens. Chaotic good kind of... <laughs> notion to it where they're just frivolously running through <laughs> oh uh, yeah uh, uh, zombie I think it's religious based but I'm not going to even try to decipher what kind of iconography is on it uh, it's bald the bald zombie with no sandals oh, on oh the I think they're no shoes. Uh, I think they're Buddhist it is I think, Buddhist I, th- I think it's a Buddhist monk I've put Buddha zombie. I, I was well, hoping not, desperately. It's not, it's not a Buddha. It's not a Buddha. Buddhist. <laughs> Buddhist, yeah. I'll take the flag. Buddha. Uh, Buddha zombie. Mark zombie. Type that in. Oh, that'll come up. It could be Sikh. It could be Buddhist. That's going to come up the same one either way. I think it's. I think it's a Buddhist monk zombie. But it, it's it's definitely um, kind of this Eastern European style. That's going up to kill Francine. Ah, yes. Um, Eastern Asian. East Asian. Um, that pushes on. Yes. And if it, she uh, doesn't have a gun anymore as well because uh, she was left with one gun. Like Peter like, left her one gun. And then Stephen took that gun when he went off to find Peter and Roger. So she's now got nothing. And she... Um, when the zombie gets up there, she like lights flares and tries to f- throw the flares at, uh, at it to no avail, and uh, almost gets nabbed uh, trying to climb out. Uh, it's eventually beaten in by Stephen, to be fair, mm-hmm. who really proves himself, and Roger then kills it. Um, beats it yeah. in because uh, Stephen wants to shoot it, but then I think that there's like don't. Because it will just bring more of them up. So they just bludgeon it to death and then drag it out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that portion. And I think I would panic if I saw one of them coming at me. So it yeah. is, you know, you're bit, that's it. You're dead. There's not much you can do. You can try to shove it over. But if you fail, that's it. You're fucked. 
yeah, the caution is the uh, way to go in that situation, in some ways at least, because, yeah, it's just one nip on your hand and you're fucked. It's the crying after I don't like. I think she it's a bit, is, a bit again, too much. I, I if it's hormonal and all that, yeah. that's it's an interesting matter that they don't implicate now. And I have yeah. to retroactively shove into the emotions. It's it's difficult to kind of come to terms with. Um, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt as best I can. But I honestly, think... it's really hard on a viewing to not see her as pathetic as fuck. Um, I mean, the only. Thing I can think of is, you know, she's she is pregnant. Yeah, I, it, it's <laughs> I, so hard to kind of go back and paint over everything with that. I think also it, just, um, you know, this is a seventies film portrayal of a woman. I mean that that's the same kind of thing. Where yeah. it's look, I'm I'm coming from. I was you born know. in two thousand. I've got Dawn the Dead. I've got Shaun the Dead. I've got so much shit. Yeah, it doesn't have this kind of baggage with it. It is unfortunate, but it's yeah, so hard to get over that presumption and that I just can't. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I just can't. hundred I mean, percent. It's not good. It's not good, but you know, I I think there is enough in the film to excuse the behavior because again. She is pregnant, but certainly more so than Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now I and at least she has an arc where she grows more competent. Yeah, but uh, uh, it's not good. It's not perfect, to say the least. Pushing through, um, radio stations not very optimistic for a lot of this, and we get a kind of fucking Doctor Strange love type. With an eye patch over his head. I don't know if it was meant to be based on the Peter Sellers yes. character. Uh, it feels yeah. like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're basically, I think at this point they're passing around a bottle of Jack Daniels. And it's at this yeah. point that Peter reveals that... Uh, oh no, Peter shows concern over Fran- Francine. Uh, and that, that he says like she looks ill. And this is when Stephen reveals that she's pregnant. Three or she- four months, I think. Yeah, three and a half, four months is yeah. what he says. And yeah, I think, and, and there's a little discussion of abortion, whether, you know, do you want to abort it? And um, like, I really like how brief that is and how pushed that is immediately. I mean, that hmm. feels very realistic in this kind of situation. Um, whatever disposition you have towards that, that, that would kind of come up. Yeah, because like, I mean, I am. I'm reminded again. Fucking video game. I know I talked about. I don't play this shit. But um, there's a game called Dead State that I really love. Um, which kind of indie actually. Um, people might have heard of, but has this kind of same dilemma that comes up that you have to deal with at some point where the kind of husbands are anti it and the the girls for it. Um, 
and in these kind of situations, it, it <laughs> it's so individualized the the response you're going to have that it's it's going to create a uh, response either way. Yeah, I I I have no idea how to make how to even imagine making that decision because if in a normal situation you would want it like the zombie zombie apocalypse yeah do you still want a child in that situation i think it's entirely uh out of my hands and out of your hands yeah i think you've you've hit the nail on the head yeah it's such an alien situation that no one can make objective decisions on what they would do in that position I mean, at a moment, like, uh, it, it's just something so, like, I, I suppose, I, I suppose there are some people now that not to, you know, mention it again because we joked about it earlier. But with climate change, there are some people who are like, I don't want to bring my child into a world I think is going to go to shit. And you know, so some people would be more inclined to abort their child. Because they're in the middle of a, you know, apocalypse. That's yeah, inevitable. Um, Yeah, it's. But I won't. I won't even comment on uh, where I stand. It's it's impossible to. I think if I, I mean, if I was pregnant, I mean, I unfortunately can't be. But if I was, and uh, uh. I think there'd be part of me that would be like I would assign a bit of hope to my unborn child, as it were. I think you have like a to hope for humanity to kind of sometimes thing. Sometimes to an extent. Yeah. If you don't, you end up. I mean, in Peter's situation, which, um, given the situation, mm. is almost justifiable. Yeah. And not, not to sound too miserable, but. They kind this of need a... a hope for humanity because they're like they're looking at their society just completely disappear. Really, like yeah. humans are just dying and are being killed by you know like the zombie hordes, and there is no infrastructure to prevent this. It's, it's a real shame. Um, in the Zack Snyder version, mm-hmm. obviously you had a pregnancy that went yeah. through zombie baby, <laughs> very over the top. Yeah. The thing is that uh, it's very well done and very good for very good for the style that we're going for. Um, there's a bit in the extras which I'm going to send you after this, where and I mentioned this um, before. You see Andy, who's the gun store owner, yeah. who's dealing with the apocalypse himself in kind of a a video cast way, and he talks about his daughter who's dead, his wife who's dead, and he ends up eating his goldfish and. It's, it's fucking miserable. Mm. Uh, and you get a kind of uh, perspective from a parent who yeah. requires some hope. He knows his kid's dead, but he yeah. tries to keep that pushing to say, yeah, I can continue going on and I can keep this video cast going in the idea that I can send it off to my daughter at some point. Yeah. I get that kind of same feel in that you need to have some level of hope. That's what this film is. It it's very under the surface, but incredibly depressing. Yeah, it's um, like that. But there needs to be some kind of hope, and you know, um, 
Let's keep it I going. Think yeah. I think I think the child, the ch- her child is not. It's not emphasised. There's not like a lot of discussions about oh, your child is a hope for humanity. There's nothing explicit like that. But there is a kind of, you know, if you think about it, that child could be a sign of maybe some yeah, future for humanity. It's something that could come out. Yeah. But with that, we get all the sort. By the way, um, and I think I'm just going to put this to bed. The scientist guy for all of this, the strange love type, is a, <laughs> is a cunt. Yes, he's just he's got this kind of pragmatist fucking four chan view of <laughs> let's nuke the cities, deal with the dead, moron. And yeah, kind of like Frankenstein, but somehow more detached. Yeah, he thinks he's being logical. He he like at one point in the I think the second interview later he's like he's rubbing his temple. We have goes, to be logical. We have, we have to, to be our logical. Yeah. We have to be. We have to. Be. He's like repeating it to himself to try and like reassure himself. We have to do this. I have to do. You know, what I'm suggesting here is man is a need, not a choice. It's like he's trying to convince himself that he's not choosing to uh, suggest this. That it's like a necessity because that's the only way he can just rationalize it to himself. It's ridiculous. Yeah. For the entirety of it. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we get to pragmatism that's grand in reality, where uh, they decide to get trucks to kind of block off the entrances for the entire mall. Yes. Uh, Fran gets annoyed that she's been kind of thrust into. I think she says Den Mother. I've put down Cat Mom. I think Den Mother is the word she uses. <laughs> yeah, Den Mother. Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> Part of me, yeah, I've put it down in my notes. That's what happens when you cry over one fucking zombie. But it's just me not being able to get over that she's pregnant. <laughs> I'm yeah. still fucking annoyed that she's useless. I think before this, when they're still in the conversation between Stephen and uh, Francine about like pregnancy and also like this place, uh, Francine. Uh, basically accuses Stephen of being hypnotised by the mall um, I think as she says uh, it's so bright and neatly wrapped you don't see that it's a prison too um, and she and wants which... them, she pleads for them to like take what they need and keep going uh, leave for Canada in a but... kind of way she's like um, Harry Cooper that she turns out to be right Yeah. by, by the end of it um, after Roger dies and you get the feeling that kind of if Roger hadn't died anyway, this is what it would have been. Like mm. a tombstone. I think in Day of the Dead they say a tombstone with an epitaph. Yes. That no one will ever that read. No one will ever read. Yeah. And that's the kind of feeling you get with Dawn of the Dead. That yeah. If they stay here, they're going to mean nothing. Yeah, it's basically the yeah the hangar in uh, Day of the Dead or the underground like bunker place. Is basically the same as the mall, except it has no uh, uh, like consumerist connotations and is an actual military base. But yeah, it is practically the same place. You're just holding yourself up somewhere, shielding yourself from the outside world because the outside world is too, you know, much. You're basically just like, what what life is that? You know, just... which is and when we get to dawn of the dead, uh, day of the dead, sorry. It's why I think Day of the Dead is pretty fucking depressing. <laughs> um, and the ending is 
almost equally as sad. Especially yeah. given what George Romero's remarks are from what happened after they uh, ended up on the island. Spoiler alert, they all fucking died on the island. Of course they did. Yeah. Which I, I personally, from my own um, philosophy thing, is pretty fucking sad. But <laughs> that, that's up to everyone. That's, well, a, nihilist, that's a nihilistic view I of the universe. You could think of, just quickly going to the talk of Day of the Dead, that going to a, uh, you know, a, a secluded island in the middle of the ocean is just another prison. It's just another shield, you know, um, hiding in a bunker, hiding in a mall, hiding in a farmhouse. Pretty much. You can't... You can blockade against it with either walls or the ocean, but the zombie horde is coming. There's no stopping it. Blockading, we get the trucks, uh, I did, shoved out. Where they go out, they get trucks to blockade the doors, which would fucking work, to be fair. Yeah. Um, definitely. I don't know if anyone's tried to smash glass it. It's hard. Yeah, if you don't have enough of a, a run-up. A, a hooligan <laughs> background. <laughs> uh, this shit works. It's hard to smash glass. I've seen a hand cut up with glass. I've seen someone punch inwards. Um... That was a that was a really fun night. I had to take it to A&E. I've since one like punch glass inwards um, and managed it. It's kind of a, a screen door in a kitchen between mm-hmm. the two. They cut their hands up to shit and they had fucking uh, stitches all over on the knuckles, blood going everywhere. Real fucking fun one. But if you're going to do that to double glazing, you're going to have to punch it a few fucking times. <laughs> with one hell of a run up. Yeah, as you said, like just one hell of a run up. Yeah. And so these trucks coming in the way, yeah, the zombies can't do shit. Ah, uh, I can't recall. Are the zombies strong, like particularly strong? It depends on um what you define as that because they are able a, to rip technic- up because they use their finger, you know, their hands to just yeah. grab onto stuff and rip bodies apart. Which implies a kind of heightened strength. Me and myself, I take that as a, a liberty with the franchise. Yeah, yeah. That they want gore in it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They allow them to rip flesh, which, as I said before, it's hard to bite through someone. You ain't gonna rip. No. Try it, like fucking anyone listening right now. Grab your fucking arm. Try to rip. It ain't happening. <laughs> Right. Don't don't don't, encu- don't encourage your audience to self harm. They're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is self harm already. Wow. This is at minimum three hours. Well, no, because someone else trilogy. is someone yeah. else is harming them. <laughs> We're harming you. Um, pay me pa- to harm you instead. Pay me to come over and try to rip your skin off. Uh, <laughs> it's it's impossible. Is my point. Yes. Way. You, you cannot do it. Um, so I, I give that as a liberty of the genre that you want gore, you want to push down. Yeah, yeah. So fair enough. You can rip the legs off, you can do this, that and the other, which no fucking way anyone could manage in real life, even without <laughs> the zombie fucking handicap. Um, it's in the truck driving uh, sequence that a uh, bit of the soundtrack plays that is sampled by Gorillaz for the intro track of Demon Days, which is the first... 
time I ever heard it when I was a kid. That's just I think we said that before we start recording, but basically, um, Damon yeah. Alban, Blur Gorillas, uh, not nearly as good as Jarvis Cocker. <clears throat> <laughs> Oh dear! It's my podcast. I'm allowed to be biased. Well, I would say that Blur isn't as good as uh, Pulp, but neither is Gorillas. Neither is Oasis. While we're on the fucking yeah, well, yeah, Manchester stuff, Mm. Um, Britpop, Demon Days is too good an album for me to agree. But the rest of Gorilla stuff isn't as good as Pulp's uh, best. And Oasis is uh, really, really good. I really like Oasis's first two albums. Oasis' first albums are good, but Pulp is better. I, I've seen Liam Gallagher live. I've seen Pulp live. I've seen Sleeper live. I prefer Sleeper to uh, Oasis as well. Great fucking band. If you haven't heard him. Uh, he, uh, she dated Jav Cocker for a while. Oh. Good fucking stuff. But yeah, they go off in cars to music that was sampled later by Dan Noblin and the Gorilla stuff. Great fucking band, to be fair. I don't, I mean, I don't want to sound disparaging. Blur and Gorillas, I fucking love. Yeah. Like in terms of Britpop stuff, Pulp are by far my favourite. Then Blur, and then Oasis. Um, and my brother's in Oasis cover band. I know their fucking stuff back to front. <laughs> I, do, I do like their shit quite a lot and I could go lyrical over what's the story Morning Glory but hey now yeah so... and to be fair Stand By Me great album uh, or whatever the album is for that oh god um... and that was a big track uh, yeah it was um, Oh, all around the world as well on that same one. Yeah, I don't uh, be really like... be here now. Be here I now. Think... That's it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of much of that album. I, I like the first track um, that has kind of helicopter sounds. That's really oh good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of. Do, and do you know like... what I mean? All... Yeah, do you know what I mean? And all around the world, I really love those two. I can't stand all good. around the world personally. <laughs> Repetitive, but I like it. Talking about repetitive, uh, we get some sequences here with the trucks, wherein Roger kind of emulates the behaviour of the SWAT team member who was just fucked in the first portion. Yes, he does, which I didn't really clock onto when I was watching it, but yeah, he he starts hooting and hollering and uh, yee-hawing. I yeah, think that's it, because it, I was it, watching this just before Day of the Dead, and I'm kind of in the mindset of how do people deal with tension and death. Mm. And with Dawn, I was thinking, okay, so he dealt with it the same way that, that guy did at the start. Um, I'm pretty sure it's intentional. Yeah, I think it because uh, I don't know how what's in your the uh, the version you watched and what isn't, but a zombie like sneaks up on Roger and almost gets him and um, and Peter has to shoot the zombie while it's on top of Roger. While he holds bl- the head up and stuff. While he holds the head up, yeah. Yeah, and, that is in this version. And blood just kind of like goes onto uh, Roger. And I was wondering if 
he'd become a zombie anyway from that. Like the blood from the zombie going in his mouth. You get the kind of feeling he's cracked at that point, regardless. Yeah, this is uh, done. Yeah, it's like, bastards, you bastards. And Peter's is like, uh, Roger? (laughs) There's some banter back and forth. And to be Mm. fair, in that section where um, he asks, you know, Peter, why'd you join a force of midgets? And Peter says, someone to look up to and all that, which is (laughs) almost literal. Yeah, um, and yeah, they need someone to fucking look up to, because the only two you've really seen, well, the only three, one guy who died and two who go nuts by the end. Yeah, you get you get the feeling that Roger's really going off the deep end. Yeah, by the end of that point, and he's he's kind of pushing on the steering wheel. He's doing such a good job, the actor, mm. such an exceptional job where he's clearly hyped up, he's got adrenaline pumping through, and he doesn't care anymore. Or even if he doesn't even if it's not that he doesn't care, he's clearly given up on he's, <laughs> complete he's, survival he's acting, instinct. He's acting very recklessly. Yeah. And Peter calls him out on this that and basically says, You're not just playing with your life, you're playing with mine and like it looks like Roger uh, uh, has got been gotten through to you know, Peter has gotten through to him a little bit because Roger at that point is kind of like you know kind of tries to sort himself out again but then immediately after is when Roger is a bit too uh, reckless again and it's uh, it's when he gets bitten I, it's almost a Greek tragedy and it's yeah. just inevitable kind of pushing through that he, this is how he deals with tension. This is how he deals with stress. And yeah, he dies. He gets bit. Well, he doesn't die immediately, obviously, but he gets bit, and that's gets, a death sentence. He gets he gets bitten on the arm, then on the leg, while trying to get back into the uh, truck. As he drops his bag, and then uh, jumps down to get the bag, while like zombies are all around him. Uh, he, he, you know, and also he's like uh, he he forgot his bag before as well, and. That's the moment when Peter like calls him out because he's like really angry about his bag. Yeah, and and, and the bag again uh, <laughs> drops onto the floor, and he goes down to get it, and then gets bitten for his trouble. And it's it's such a visceral kind of bite in both sides. You feel it coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. On the leg especially, and later in when he uh, his leg gets reperforated. <laughs> Oh my god, that moment is awful! It's agony. I really felt that one. That was the one that made me really feel it because it's just the zombie just presses its thumb into the, and it looks really good, as in yeah, really good effect. Spent so much effort on that. Oh, it looks. It's so gross. It's just gross. (laughs) It's what it is. Oh, yeah, I do like um, misery. I do like I yeah. do like um, Roger's line though. Um, after he gets bitten and then they're in the truck cab, and he's like, uh, Is that "You need man, me, yeah, that man. Line? There's a lot you need to get done before you can afford to lose me." Oh, I've uh, quoted that like a lot you need to get done before you can afford to lose me. Yeah, the exact line. I yeah, I made sure I quoted that because it's it's so because he knows he's dead. It's so like, shit. And yeah. he's just like, well, 
better make use of me while I'm still going then is basically what he's saying at that in that moment from his kind of perspective like... I don't think it's even that I think it's don't kill me now yeah it, it's almost a, a pathetic kind of whimper on please save me um not I'm not saying pathetic in something that shouldn't be said but it it's horrible for everyone yeah. to hear it's just devastating made all the worse that he's a paraplegic through the rest of the sequence. yeah he has to be uh, carted around and then he's attacked later which I think comes yeah, yeah. into the agony where he's so helpless and he, he's been running around he's been pushing things around doing all this shit and now he is just useless and dying Yeah, and you have to watch this kind of degradate into eventually what is his hair kind of sporadically thrown around Gary Busey fucking style. Yeah, he's having like fits, like, um, yeah, not responding to it as well. I also like the the bit on not immediately after, but almost immediately after, where they're going through the department store again, and um, Peter and Roger are in the elevator, and Peter is like about to like try and console Roger. And then Roger just cuts him off and says he knows he's dying. He just wants to get on with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, which he, he just wants to put his mind off of it because he knows it's going to happen. But he just wants to like keep on. I mean, it adds so much to the uh, the line. I can't remember the exact uh, terminology he uses, but like, I'm going to try to not die. I'm oh, yes. To I'm, I'm going to try to not come back. So only shoot me. Once you know I've come back. I think I'm going to... Yeah, that's the best line in the, the trilogy. Yeah. it's, And that's just for Peter as well. So yeah. That, that's why I love the character transition from calm and like stoic to I'm going to shoot my brains out. Yeah. It's, on a second viewing, it's so obvious that's what's going to happen. Um, I mean, I almost hate to say like the next we've, we've skipped over ten minutes of fairly well, they... happy shit, kind of comic. Yeah, relief. yeah. Not but... you know what? Not even comic relief, given what it's you know the, is going to happen. It's the it's like there's a tension hovering over those scenes of uh, um, like jovial like messing around in the shop and like taking stuff and uh, playing stuff in the arcade and. Going shopping and getting a bunch of food, and go France scene goes ice skating, yeah. and Stephen gets pick a mix, and Peter dresses up like a cowboy, and he looks fucking nice I, in the, the way, suit cow- later. By that the way, cowboy scene um, doesn't come into the European version. Oh, okay, okay. The, um, the ice skating doesn't either. Oh, well, right. Yeah, there's there's some stuff that's cut out. I think this section is what's most truncated. Yes. In the, the remake, uh, which, now I think about it, is it... almost a shame on a second viewing. Mm. I think on a first viewing, I'd rather watch the European version. On a second viewing, I'd rather watch the American version. So I think that kind of knowing what's going to come up. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of, it's like little breathers. It's like the scene in the basement between Peter and Roger earlier. That's the thing. It's, it's like, not yeah. almost a breather, it's just delaying the inevitable. But it kind of it's 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 you can you 
if you let yourself, you can get lost in their moments of uh, levity yourself if you want to, but you can, or you can prioritize thinking about what's coming. Which is the same for them, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And what they're choosing to do is just distract themselves. Which you would do. You really would do. You would try and do everything you could to make life tolerable. So we get all of these things occurring where it kind of culminates into Peter being more cautious, more miserable, as we said. Uh, And it basically, through all the arcade stuff, Roger uh, seeing the screen glitch out, which I I think is kind of his zombie side taking over, or at least he goes more primitive as it pushes in, and where he's kind of lying there eventually as a paraplegic with your golem hair just fucking sprightly off, looking like a fucking math addict. (laughs) (laughs) And Peter becomes far more cautious for a lot of it. Um, It's, yeah. He seemed to be a much more uh, gung-ho and um, into it before, but then he becomes a bit more... uh, I don't know if it's that he's lost Roger or if he's just lost himself. um, Lost that gung-ho attitude, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly a part of himself is uh, encouraged by Roger um, in having that. Uh, I think uh, when the raid happens, he kind of tries to la- like get Stephen to be that person to uh, you know bolster him up in that sense. And in a very kind of subtle way, I don't think he can do that. No, he can't. Stephen is not Roger. Yeah, Roger's kind of this, I mean, qualified, I suppose is the word. Um, mm. He's used to experienced, used to all this kind of stuff. And even after yeah. kind of the the gun store, which has animal noises, kind of, well, just <laughs> animal noises shooting out, which what fucking gun store has that? Fucking American culture allowing that. I um, mean, it's a bit of uh, appealing to the, uh, maybe uh, a, primordial or primitive part of us, you know, the violent side and it's represented by those animals I don't know, There's a, I have no idea a great a bunch of thing fun. said by um, Peter during all this where he says the only kind of person who can miss with this gun is the person who uh-huh. wanted to buy this kind of gun no, person with the money to buy it Yeah, As he says that the only people who could miss with this sniper is uh, people who could actually afford there's it there's a capitalist side coming in kind of the anti-consumerist um, yeah, yeah. Which is such a good line. And he's, he's <laughs> fucking true. I've met those twats. I've got uh, clay pigeon shooting by me that I attend occasionally. And yeah, the dickheads that can buy the best shotguns can't hit for shit. <laughs> uh, well, they... Fuck you, Charles. Can't hit anything. <laughs> uh, his guard, his um, uh, police can. Unfortunately. <laughs> anyway. More individual there, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, after Roger dies, I mean, during Roger's death, it's, again, you get some back yeah. and forth between uh, Stephen and Francina on the outside and then Peter, who's sitting there waiting for everything to happen, and you get the feeling that Peter has this idea that Roger's fucked. And Roger knows yeah. he's fucked. Peter knows Roger knows he's fucked. 
but he's giving this idea that he doesn't think it, so Roger feels better. It's awful. There's not so much a, a depression when you see Peter's face eventually kind of uh, step up. It's more an acceptance that, mm. yeah, this is what was going to happen. This is what's happened. And he just... He... I don't think Roger gets to stand... Zombie Roger doesn't get to stand up. He's still in his bed when uh, Roger shoots him, I think. Uh, Peter shoots him. Uh, Peter shoots yeah, him, sorry, yeah. I, we, you only hear the gunshot go off, which I think is really important in mm. the kind of sombre... Yeah, it's not about the... Uh, the deeds. So about, for... Yeah, the, the, the deed itself is the sadness. You don't need to see like the blood spurt and all that. That's not... It's not really um, useful for doing what that scene's actually trying to do. Yeah, it's more about how it affects Peter, mm. um, which it just breaks him. He's and the loss of uh, Roger, who as soon you know, it's like the gunshot happens and never on screen again, not even the dead body. Yeah, he's just buried immediately. I mean, with the juxtaposition of what he said earlier, of I'm going to try to, you know stay alive and we're trying to keep back. myself going um, that positivity and then just bang mm. it's so sudden very much alike to the meat hooks that go into Ben's body in the first film mm. and then there's it's similar to the scene you had before Roger died but so far removed um, wherein you have this yeah. not, not comedic I don't want to say comedic relief. It's almost like a, a fucking depression relief. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Um, but it's it's a section that's... Well, they go clothes shopping and... Uh... Oh, this is the scene where Peter looks nice. He, he gets a suit. It's a montage he, he tries on a suit. that's just awful. Yeah. Oh, Peter cooks Francine and Stephen a dinner for them to enjoy. Is that in your version as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and um, Stephen proposes to Francine, and Francine says that they can't, and she says it wouldn't be real. Yeah, and you get a couple of the bits uh, where they're practicing their marksmanship on a hockey field yes. against mannequins. You get a bit where Francine is doing her best Marilyn Monroe, yeah, Marilyn Monroe impression. She looks really nice in that. She does look uh, pretty uh, good. I, I, in my opinion, I'm just curious. very, very dolled up, very dolled up. But she, uh, she, she does it well. Yeah. I, you had. I, there's a certain somber tone to it, though. I mean, it's Monroe. Oh, there is. Monroe was dead years before this. Yeah. Went off, obviously. In, uh, you know, it goes from like Peter in his very nice suit to a shot of like, uh, well. It, a Francine getting stuff like uh, she gets some books of a stuff about how to raise a baby, you know, and um, and then there's the suit, and then there's uh, a shot of like Stephen and Francine can... in bed, yeah, with I and mean... it's just like the slow zoom out and boob as well. Yeah, credit to it, tit shown, um, <laughs> yeah. which I, I fucking hate films that have these like magical fucking. Uh, covers duvets <laughs> that cover tit because God help the person who just fucked seeing tit. 
Well, I mean, that's half the reason why I'm there. Fucking right. I mean, <laughs> the top, the, the torso is a nice place. It's where uh, uh, your head can go after. It's just ridiculous. Um, I completely forgot actually. Straight after Roger dies, you see Francine sitting outside a store. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a pregnancy store. It's like mm. an expectant mom store. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of a circular thing or if that's just showing where Francine is at this point. Mm. It's very subtle, her pregnancy. You are right in saying that it's not explicit ever. Mm. It's just. But it is important. Yeah, it's. Un- it is clearly important. Underlying throughout the entirety of it. Which is why Peter, I think, at the end decides, fuck it, I'm going to try to do something. I don't know why Peter decides to live. I uh, I don't think you need to know. I don't think it's about the baby. I don't think it's about... I, don't, I think it's just him deciding to go on. And why it is, is his own reason. Yeah. He doesn't say anything you know, about the baby. He doesn't say anything about Francine. He just decides, fuck it, I'm going to keep going. It's it's like he's sitting there waiting to shoot himself in the head and then just at the last moment he just goes, you know what, no. That's almost a that's, that's, primal instinct. Yeah, um, it's like, no, I'm going to keep going. With that, actually, it, you know what, we'll jump forward um, past all this fucking misery to <laughs> a bit I find fucking hilarious that I'm going to I'm going to loop right now, just to warn everyone. Um, the bikers start coming over, headed by Tom Savini, who's they're, they're, They've perfect. spotted the... They're basically, uh, Stephen is now teaching Francine how to fly, and because of that, uh, these fucking pricks, the bikers, spot them, and uh, yeah. And they see the trucks. Yeah. Trucks. Yeah, trucks. <laughs> oh, that is. I don't know why. It's it's such yeah. a well delivered line. I wish. I really wish that this character wasn't the one wearing the SS fucking helmet, because then I could say I like this character. But I can't say I like this character. No, I find this character fucking hilarious. I can say that, that line. It that this little bit here is really funny. Yeah, trucks. Yeah, trucks. <laughs> <laughs> They got trucks in the entrance. Yeah, trucks. Yeah, trucks. He's so excited about the trucks. It is he really fact, likes those trucks. Oh, is it a line yeah, after trucks. or before this? Yeah, trucks. Like he says, "Oh, should we hit in the day or in the night?" He goes, "In the night." He's just so into <laughs> it. Yeah, he's really happy. I I think that Romero genuinely knew how like depressing the film's gotten and needed this fucker to come in. <laughs> just to be ridiculous. I mean, you have um, this scene where they're on the radio, basically, to the bikers. Mm. And Peter's yeah. finally kind of got a head on the situation. He's got something concrete that he can handle. Well, he's got something that he is good at as well. Yeah. Like, the rest of the time, it's domestication time. He's not. He's not really... You never get the sense that that's what he's good at. Well, he's not got a girlfriend. He's not got a wife before all this. He's not got a family he cares to go back to. Well, he's, he, ha- he said he had two bro- he, he had, uh, um, brothers well, that he was leaving behind. It's never a, a big friends, part but... of his character. 
No, no, it's just offhandedly mentioned that he's uh, leaving two brothers behind, one a prisoner, one a basketball player. Um, and that's it. That he's never mentioned. They're never mentioned again. Yeah, it's just shoved out there, and then yeah, uh, and so he finally gets something he can actually deal with, mm. which Stephen does fuck up in yeah. a very similar way uh, that Roger did in the truck. If I say similar, exactly the same reasoning. Be Stephen um, basically goes against Peter's advice that the bikers want to come in here, take shit, and fuck off, mm. and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, to be fair, Peter, um, you know, Stephen basically like you know opens fire first, and then the raiders shoot at Peter. And as soon as they shoot at Peter, Peter's like, right. That's it. There's a war. This is, you know, now we. <laughs> now we're in a war, yeah. Yeah, now we're in a war. I, I, I think Steve might Peter kill doesn't one need or much two, convincing. but Peter kills fucking Hun. <laughs> oh, he kills yeah, loads. Yeah, he kills loads of them. He kills fucking loads. And he kills a certain uh, makeup artist as well. <laughs> uh, takes him over the second story, barreling down. It's quite funny watching the footage of uh, them. Because uh, Tom Savini does his own stunts as well, because he's a stuntman as well, and um, he, you know, when he falls from the top, yeah, funny, uh, the amount of mattresses they have piled up on cardboard boxes for him to jump from the top floor to da- down below, and there's a cameraman sitting on the mattresses, and Tom Savini jumps over the cameraman on, you know. Because the cameraman's on the pile of mattresses that Tom Savini's going to land on. And Tom Savini jumps over the cameraman onto the mattresses. Um, which is how you get that shot where Tom Savini falls over. Yeah, and drops down. I'm usually against actors being stuntmen because I think if you fuck up, then you've ruined the jobs for everyone on set. Mm. Which is why I'm not a huge fan of Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise. Um, I think, fuck you. If you get injured, <laughs> you've just ruined the livelihood for a lot of fucking people. You egotistical prick. I think... Um, I suppose... I think the, the, there comes a certain amount of pride in a performance where you consider those scenes to be just as much of a performance as any other part of it. So, yeah, I get it. Um, it is irresponsible for the other people working on the state, on the film, like you said, but... I think it, it doesn't hinder the story if you weren't the one jumping down. Because we're so far ahead. I'm not, I'm not a fan of either of them as actors because of what they do. Um, and I know that people desperately need to kind of keep their money up. And kind of fuck you for putting that in jeopardy. Because if you're an ego. Um... <laughs> well, to be fair, the people you know, actually working on the film are paid a salary... They don't have shares in the film. I don't trust so... the American economy enough. <laughs> that that's going to be the case. No. Fact, I, I don't trust our it. own enough anymore. No. No, well, UK is fucking shit. But um, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, they are paid a meagre salary. They're not given shares in the film. They wouldn't, because that's the real money. You wouldn't give uh, you know, someone doing the lighting... A share in the actual gross, you know. Income. Yeah, I, I th- that's the thing to me. Like the gaffer is being paid a salary, sure, but that's contingent on the film continuing. 
and no, no, they've they've already been paid. Um, Do I trust American before... unions though? For all this, I I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being ridiculous. Maybe I'm going too far. I mean, and... the actual, you know, the yeah, it don't matter. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I, with all this is a load of fun. And back then, yeah, back yeah. then, it's fucking hilarious because, jeez, the Savini's film scenes could have been reshot. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Uh, and it's it's he does a great job as well through all his acting stuff. Uh, he's got such a getting jovialness, but some maliciousness to every line he delivers. It's kind of this. Oh uh, yeah, there's a bit of a racist um, <sighs> moment as well where he just emphasizes um that peter is black when he's chasing after him i can't remember what he's uh, yeah I, I know there is something and i i did it's taken me back a bit that he uh pushed that oh off. that's it he calls him chocolate man he it just offhandedly um screams at him i can see you uh chocolate man and then just runs off doesn't bother chasing after uh, him in the vents because well really can't really get get up there anyway yeah i had a fucking uncle who did that like you'd stop at a zebra crossing, and if a, a black guy was crossing it, they would go, you can see him, you can't, you can see it. Jesus Christ. It's a thing, is what I'm saying. Like in the 70s, this was 100% something that happened. Oh, yeah. Um, I have relatives who have certain, well, even more in the past, been um, insensitive, shall we say. Yeah, <laughs> leave it there. But it's a really well-delivered line. And very, mm. I mean, you've got Nazis that are within the uh, biking club. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. It's clear that these people are scum of the earth. I think it's um, clear that they, you're supposed to want them to die, uh, which is why I think this sequence is a much more, much needed cathartic moment. The ways the they die. Yes. Are absolutely brilliant. I mean, Holy shit. <laughs> the, the fucking blood pressure machine is the best. Yes, it is the best. Zero over zero. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking funny. Mm. Um, which really, uh, it needs to be there to stand as contrast mm. to Stephen's death, which is yeah. A, you get the arms in and you're brought back to reality somewhat, as Peter's sitting there in the vents listening to this radio playing. You're kind of putting his shoes, thinking what it's like to hear the person that's stood with you through this whole um, experience dying. Yeah, in my head, I don't know how well it would have played if they'd have just stuck on Peter. Because I love that, the hands coming in, that motif, and the faces that then pushes on to a day later. I love that shot, by the way, where they come into the elevator. That is iconic. It, 100%. It is so good. I think that and the scene where Stephen comes out as a zombie, they're iconic. Oh yeah, because th- th- that sh- front shot of uh, the doors opening and there's Stephen's uh, z- the Stephen zombie. It's like just uh, oh, zombie. No, that doesn't work. Never mind. Zombie boy. Yeah, zombie boy. Doesn't really work. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> flyby. <laughs> no, still doesn't work. Sort of flyboy. Could do yeah. some Nurgle stuff. You're really into Warhammer, which I know most of our <laughs> listeners are. Um, it, it's yeah, 
as those doors kind of come to, it, it's the opposite of cathartic, I think. It's just like gut wrench. You, you feel like uh, your stomach drop um, when he's about to die. Yeah, you know what's bitten. coming. You, you've heard it all. That it, it's one of those just hard to see in full. And I think this is one of the times where the, the blue really helps for me. Mm. I know some people have said um, that it's it's kind of silly and detracts. I think that the emphasis of that and just the gun in the side that's been held on by the, the finger. Yeah, like his finger's been broken and that's the only reason why it's still on. Or it's like at an awkward angle and it's just not falling off. Yeah, and the leg that's kind of just pushing along the foot that's at one angle to the side, like a 45 degree angle. And, and the gun shot wound in his shoulder. And his eyes his arm is a... desperately looking around. Every part of it meticulously crafted. It is the best zombie other than Bub. I don't like Bub. I love Bub. I'm going to go into that. I, I don't like Bub, but th- this is my favourite zombie ever. Where he comes out of that door and just looks... It's just so much detail on every part. I can't mm. even begin to describe. You'd have to watch the film and then read up through it. And then he, for his own... Yes, he remembers. He, he remembers, and through that causes the downfall of this sanctuary and <laughs> almost kills Peter off. Yeah. Um, no, I believe he's shot. He is shot in the head, yeah. And then other zombies come up. Oh, yeah, because he basically, because he uncovers, like, the wall. Yeah. Look, it seems like he's calling to other zombies when he starts walking up the corridor. Walking with purpose, I think, and the others following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, the other zombies, like, join him to smash through the wall that they made earlier to block the corridor to the the haven, the hideout. And then they uh, come up and... Stephen's zombie is shot by Peter pretty quickly, and then other zombies start coming in. Francine goes up to the helicopter to escape. Peter doesn't want to go with him. I think it's just like I, I don't want to go. I really don't. Just so. It's why it's my favourite character development of the the whole trilogy, where you can see in retrospect what caused him to go fuck this. Yeah. Um, and I. I know for a fact if I was in this situation, I'd shoot my own brains out. I think anyone. I don't know what I'd do. I, I'm not going to pretend to know what I'd do. <laughs> I think anyone who says that they'd certainly go up to the helipad is lying to themselves. In this situation, like, fuck knows yeah. what's going through his head. Like, what has he got? In that moment, what have you got to stay alive for it's like I, for him I don't know the speculation that it's the baby that it's Francine that it's seeing Peter go yeah I think you're right in saying that no one really knows what's going through his head and it's I mean, individual yeah. on what you yeah. would do in that situation which is the brilliance of the moment because you are put 100% in what would I do in the same way that in Night of the Living Dead you're kind of putting the yeah, shoes yeah, of yeah. I'm fucked in this situation, it's what would I do? I don't. Yeah, in my head canon, there is no specific reason. It's just a fuck it. Instinctual, yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, at that point, 
the only reason to stay alive is to stay alive. Either way, in my yeah, <laughs> for me, I'd be like, I just want to see how. I would want to see what happens happens next. Oh, I can't blame that. Yeah. Um, the only other two things I'm going to quickly mention before we move on today. Later. Yes. Uh, first things first. The music and oh. the slide whistles that come back on before <laughs> Stevens introduced. <laughs> Exactly. It takes on such a miserable tone. It is beautiful. Yeah, I, it it's is wonderful. So, it, the oh my god! Oh, I mean, in terms of consumerism, it, it's so on point <laughs> for all of it. Um, it's kind. Of, oh, another thing we didn't mention when the you know, when she Francine's getting doled up in front of and she's looking in the mirror and then there's just like the tannoy a recording comes over for the saying, sweet um, thing yeah yeah if you have a sweet tooth check out you know it's, it's in kind of like a it reminds me of yeah the fucking tesco's it reminds me of someone behind like a, a makeup counter at like boots or lewis's or something i it, yeah it's it's heart emptying, it, regardless of when yeah. it's said. Like, if you want to be but consumerist, yeah. have an extra <laughs> fucking packet of sweets. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's like, wow, how miserable is that? <laughs> Other thing I should mention, Tesco's right. There's um, a charity box. There's two charities that are set up right now. There's oh. one for kids, one for dogs. And they give you a counter at the end of your shop. And you can put a counter into which charity you want Tesco's to support. Oh my! Yeah, God. that's fucking horrific, right? It's awful. I mean, I I hate those the, the 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 donation things. You know how like on tills with self service checkout, they'll say like um, they'll be like, "Do you want to add a donation to your thing?" And I'm always so angry whenever I see that because you're not donating money to charity yourself. You're giving money to the shop. To donate yeah, to charity, I, which is tax deductible. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. You're paying for their taxes to go down. It's insane. And makes you feel Why? fucking guilty for not doing it. But yeah, and, and but this I, fucking I'm... situation, right? You've given a counter uh. and basically you decide which one dies, which one goes. That's what Tesco's <laughs> have fucking purported. I try, genuinely, I, tr- I went up to the cashier and tried to explain this to her. And she went, well, I mean, we give money either way. Fuck me. That, I, the Dawn of the Dead, whatever George Romero wanted to push forward, I hate ever purporting this, but he failed to stop. Well, beyond it's not, the, it's not the job of the artist to uh, actually change society. It's to change the minds of the people watching just, or to affect the minds of the people to watching. To report on the lot... situation at the very least. Yeah, and it's... like oh. no, very little art has society uh, changing ramifications. You know, like there really isn't any artist, uh, art that I can point to and go, that caused a revolution, <laughs> you know. It's 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 the actual it's it's 
you know, people coming together. Sorry, George Orwell, you kind of failed. Well, it, well, he didn't fail. He, that's not what he set out to do. Oh, uh, okay. He set out to make. Yeah. He set out to make a fucking great film, and he did. And he, so I he definitely didn't fail. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I think this film is amazing, and we're pretty much at the end. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the only other upstairs. thing I should say is that oh, yeah. there's a scene at the end that was cut. Thank fuck, where the helicopter came around, killed all of the things, and they died and like crashed i've heard this purported oh in a lot of different um kind of i think it's one of those it may have happened it may not have happened it's a mm. yeah it's one of those fictional possible legendary events in deleted scenes thank god it didn't mm. thank god it ended on very similar as far as i'm concerned and as sad as ben being shot um and as sad as day of the dead and i'll go into this when we get to the, end of the day of the dead so I think it as, is as sad as that. Yeah. Um, it's clear that Romero wants to end... I think I think it's... Because, like you say, with the ending of Day of the Dead, Romero's revealed what happens to them afterwards. It's clear that Romero wants everyone to die at the end of every single film. Yeah. it's. I, th- I it, honestly think Day of the Dead is as sad as Night of the Living Dead, to me. Yeah. And, and what it implies. Because they're just three people on a fucking island. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Going that, to my own kind it's of literally on that. residing. I mean, the yeah, his perspective, the one that they ultimately side with in the end, is to just fuck it. We'll meh, die. Fuck it. And enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, it's the end of society. Let's just go fishing on a fucking you know what? <laughs> tropical island. 